0: Again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. So glad that you were with us in the room today, and we're thrilled that many of you are tuned in online, you're watching at home today. Thanks for making this service, this uh, this time of celebration and worship, a part of your weekend. want to mention, too, just real quick, by way of announcement, a couple things. Um, for the last about seven, eight years, we have sent a group um, every summer out to Arizona, to the Red Sands Ministry in Arizona. And we're doing that again this coming summer. Our, our Arizona mission trip dates have been set for this year. They are June 18th through the 25th. And if you, um, I know a lot of you have already been talking to Brian about this, but Brian, uh, the guy who was up here a little earlier with the suit on, he wears suits. I don't know, I don't do that. Um, he wears suits, but he's the, he's the guy that knows all the information about this trip. So if you're interested in finding out more about this mission trip, or you're interested in signing up to go on the mission trip this year, please see Brian. He needs to know here just in the next couple of weeks uh, who's going so that the travel arrangements can be uh, begin being made. And so Brian would love to talk to you about that trip and what all entails, what it costs, and what all you do and things like that. Again, those dates are set for june 18th through 25th and also if you weren't here last week to hear me say uh, we need you to mark your calendars kind of save the date for a great event that we we are working on for on april the 24th of this year that is the sunday after easter and that sunday and we're going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of faith christian church And we've got some special things planned And we are working on already But we want you to get that date on your calendar Cancel your cruise, you don't need to go on a cruise You want to be here on that Sunday uh, Because we're going to have a a lot of fun Celebrating 25 years, looking back at 25 years Looking ahead to our future And so we want you to be sure that you are here uh, On that Sunday It's going to go all day We're going to start with our worship services in the morning We're going to move right into a celebration and lunch uh, Together and things like that We'll give you the details as we get closer to that Uh, But again, just mark your calendar Be sure that you're in town you am sure you're planning to be here on april 24th for uh, that celebration uh, we are uh, beginning to wrap up this sermon series we've been in since the beginning of the year we're calling it questioning jesus and the idea in this series is that sometimes even though we know jesus is real we wonder is he right was he right and so what we're doing in this series, what we've been doing, is we've been walking through the first part of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Mark is one of four biographies of Jesus that we have in our Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is one of those. <clears throat> because in, when Mark records his story of Jesus, there are all these moments in the life of Jesus where people are questioning Jesus. Sometimes they're, they're questioning with, with, with bad intent. They're trying to trick Jesus. They're, they're trying to trap Jesus. Sometimes they're just, they just think Jesus is wrong. And Sometimes I think we do too. And it's again. It's not so much that we we do We believe that God is real. It's do we believe that God is right? And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about the way that Jesus would question Tradition Now when we're talking about traditions today when Jesus was talking about traditions in this text We're gonna read in mark 7 in just a minute when Jesus was talking about traditions. He was talking about beliefs and practices of a religious nature he was a jewish man so he would grow up in the jewish faith so these are jewish he's talking very specifically about jewish beliefs and practices traditions beliefs and practices religious traditions that are outside of scripture so god says this but then there's all these beliefs and traditions that we add on to it listen to me i need to say this before we get going because i'll mention this a couple times this is not bad traditions are good they ground us, and we'll talk more about that in a second. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but Jesus is ta- that's what Jesus talked about when we read this passage. So hold on to that for a minute, and we'll, we'll get there in just a second. You see, we all have traditions. We have traditions personally. Here, here in church, for example, on Sunday morning, many of you have been around here many times before. Um, if it's your first time, we're glad you're here. Um, but you will notice, if you've been around before you will notice that at the end of almost every sermon that i preach i say a prayer have you noticed that nod your head let me know you've noticed you've noticed that i pray at the end of almost almost every sermon do you know how many verses of scripture say that i'm supposed to pray at the end of my sermons of course you do zero you knew that already not a one why do we do it it's our tradition there's some practical reasons we do it too but it's a tradition and so that's what we do and again not a bad thing it's not a Scripture doesn't say so we have to It's not a bad thing It's just our tradition You have traditions Your family has traditions I suspect there are some things that happen At the holidays with your family No matter what They are your family's traditions One of my family's traditions On Christmas Day is waffles I get angry at my mother-in-law If she ever su- suggests something else for breakfast On Christmas Day No, no, we're having waffles She knows this It's our tradition Churches have Traditions denominations have traditions traditions can be a beautiful thing traditions give us a sense of heritage they give us a sense of of rootedness traditions can be a beautiful thing but traditions are like the sabbath if you were here a couple of weeks ago jesus talked about the sabbath and he reminded us that the sabbath was made for people people were not made for the sabbath the sabbath was made to bless and to enrich people traditions are the same way traditions are made for people to enrich and to bless people and when we start to think that people were made to keep traditions then we have a tradition that needs to be questioned so we're going to walk through this morning a radical tradition text in mark chapter 7 if you got a bible with you join me in mark 7 it'll be on the screen behind me as we walk through this but this this is a radical text where jesus gets questioned and he just turns it right back and questions his questioners let's read the first part of it together this is mark chapter 7 i'll read it beginning of verse 1 one day some pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from jerusalem to see jesus They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. Now, if you've got your Bible open, probably in the next verse, there are some parentheses. And you're going to see it on the screen as well. There's some parentheses around the next verse. Here's why. Mark is inserting himself into this a little bit because mark is writing this his his gospel his biography of Jesus He is writing very specifically to a roman audience He knows his readers are going to be romans and he knows the romans are unfamiliar with the jewish traditions and practices and customs and rituals And so he wants to explain why they're doing some of these things Which is good for us because I don't think any of us are jewish either So this helps us understand verse three the jews Again, this is the parentheses. Especially the Pharisees do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by the ancient tradition. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles, in parentheses. So that's just a little parenthetical to help the reader understand this Jewish tradition. He goes on. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law ask him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. All right, let's stop there for a minute and let's figure out what's going on here. We can all remember mama yelling at us, hey, go wash your hands, it's time for supper, right? Right? Is that the picture here? No, 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 no. This is not what we're talking about here. This happened, this happened way before germs were invented. <laughs> you with me? This has nothing to do with hygiene. This is all about holiness. Their tradition of washing, this is a ceremonial washing, was intended to communicate that they were distinctly the people of God. Well, where did they get this idea Well, let me show you if you go back in your old testament way back in the old testament and look through the first five books of your bible genesis exodus Leviticus, numbers deuteronomy first five books We call those the books of law and if you were to walk through all five of those books of law And if you were to write down every verse that had anything to do with a command to wash You would not need a legal pad You would not need a sheet of paper You would need a post-it note because in all of, those chap- uh, all of those books of the Bible, books of law, there is one reference to washing. Here it is. Here's what the law said. The law says that when the priests entered into the tabernacle or the temple, specifically into the presence of God, they were to wash their hands and feet. And this was done to communicate a spiritual truth. Again, this is before germs this was done to communicate a spiritual truth here's the truth that purity is necessary when you are in the presence of god that is still a spiritual truth purity is necessary when you enter the presence of god listen that's all the scripture says that's it priests are to wash their hands and feet when they enter the temple so what's happened over the centuries, by the time we get to this moment in Mark 7, is the rabbis, the teachers of the law, they have taken this one command and kind of jacked it up on steroids. Their thinking was, well, if the priest have to do it, why doesn't everybody do it? And if it's if it's just in the temple, if that's good, if it's good for the temple, why not everywhere? And if it's hands and feet, well, why not everything? So their interpretations of this this one command in Scripture, their interpretations are collected in a book that the Jews called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, there are, you ready for this? In the Mishnah, there are 186 rules on washing, all based upon one scriptural command for the priest to wash their hands and feet when they enter the temple. 186 rules devoted to washing, all of it, outside of scripture and they used it to decide here's where it gets tricky they used their 186 rules based on the one they used these rules to decide who's in and who's out who keeps their rules and who doesn't because they had this huge assumption and the assumption was they assumed that tradition equals devotion. That your commitment to tradition is your evidence of how committed you are to God. Let let me show you an example. There was a story, a familiar story in the time of Jesus. This is not in Scripture, but this is in some of the other historical documents. There's a a, a well-known story in the days of Jesus about a rabbi that the Romans had put into jail. And every day, the Romans would bring this rabbi a little cup of water and a little piece of bread. And that's all he had to survive on for as long as he was in prison. And every day, when the rabbi would receive the little piece of bread and the little cup of water, he would take the little cup of water and ceremonially wash his hands with it before he would eat the bread. And he almost died of dehydration. And you think to yourself, that sounds crazy. And you're right. But you know what they thought about that? They said, that's commitment. That's devotion. That's dedication. Now, here's the deal this kind of thinking has always been around, and it's still around today. I might be tempted to judge how loyal to God you are based on how well you follow. The traditions that I cherish. How loyal you are to my practices is how I judge how loyal I think you are to God. And we can all get attached, this, this it happens easily, we can all get attached in unhealthy ways to practices that had a very important part of our lives, especially our spiritual or our religious life. Maybe it was the way that you did Sunday school when you were growing up Maybe it was something that happened when you were in high school and you went on a retreat or to a conference or to a week of church camp And something happened and that is so important to you and your spiritual heritage that you figure everybody else has to do it too Maybe it's the way your church did worship when you were a kid when you were growing up Uh, maybe it's the way when when you became a follower of jesus some some wonderful mentor in your life taught you some sort of spiritual discipline or 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 shared with you how to have a a quiet time in the morning or something like that and you do that and it's helped you and it's important to you but the next thing you know i'm going to judge everybody else's loyalty to god by their devotion to the things that i practice And what Jesus is going to do here in Mark 7, he's going to question our attachment to these traditions with two very important questions. First question is this. Did God prescribe these practices? In other words, are they scriptural? Again, traditions aren't bad. It's not necessarily a bad thing just because it's not there. I'm just asking, did God command them? Here's the second question. Can you observe these traditions, these rituals, these practices? Can you observe these practices and still have an unwashed heart? You see, when they questioned Jesus here in Mark 7, why do your disciples eat without washing their hands, with defiled hands? Underneath this question was the bigger question. Here's the bigger question. Get this in your head before we walk through the rest of this. The bigger question is, how is someone clean before God? That's the question. And so what Jesus is going to do in the rest of this passage we're going to read together today, Jesus is going to redefine holiness for his questioners. And what we're about to read, I'm just going to warn you before we read this, what we're, I want you to pay close attention to this because it's things like what we're going to read that Jesus is going to say here, it's things like this that eventually are going to get Jesus killed because he took one of their most precious Religious rites or rituals and said you got it all wrong. Let's pick it up at verse 6 Jesus replied You hypocrites Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you For he wrote these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me Their worship is a farce For they teach man-made ideas as commands from god for you ignore god's law and substitute your own tradition so the first thing I want to point out to you today is when is right wrong well right is wrong ritual is wrong when it displaces scripture Jesus says here to the to, to these these religious leaders these teachings are merely human rules and you have let go of God's commands and you've just got these human rules the rabbis took a subject on which the Bible was silent and they stacked on top of that, that with the Bible silent, all of their assumptions and all of their inferences, and they bound those interpretations on people as if those interpretations had the same authority as Scripture. But let me say that again. Maybe I can say it a little more clearly. They took a subject on which the Scripture was silent, and they put onto the silence their interpretations and their inferences and their assumptions and, yes, their biases and their worldviews and their preferences. And then they said, what we have inferred is now equal to what God said. Aren't you glad that never happens anymore? (laughs) Here's what Jesus said about them over in Matthew 23. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. One of the signs of bad religion is that it specializes in teaching people how to wash their hands. In other words, It focuses on giving external things the attention. Even though these things have nothing to do with being made right, being clean before God. I think one thing that would help all of us, and I'm I'm, I'm talking to church people for a second. I'm talking to faith Christian church people. I think one of the things that would help all of us is to see what we teach and what we do through the eyes of someone who is far away from God. Have you ever brought someone to church with you, a family member, a friend, someone you love, and you realize that your church is doing things and talking about things that are so irrelevant to people who are so far away from God? Kind of reminds me of a story about Abraham Lincoln. Back during the Civil War, he was visiting an infirmary of Union soldiers and as he's walking through this hospital, this wartime hospital, he finds one soldier just laying in bed, just laughing, just chuckling. <laughs> he's trying to figure out what in the world's going on, he's chuckling. He finally makes his way over, and he sees that there was a, a, a lady in, in the hospital who had come to visit, and she was from one of the local churches. And she was coming to the hospital, and she was distributing tracts, you know, evangelical tracts, to all these soldiers who were wounded and in the hospital. And this soldier's holding this track that this woman from the church had just given him, and he's just chuckling, and Abraham Lincoln goes over to see what's going on. And the soldier says, look, she just handed me a track on the dangers of the sins of dancing. And Lincoln said, what? And the soldier pulled back the sheet to reveal that both of his legs had just been amputated. I'd use the word Clueless. One of, the, one of the hardest things, and I think one of the most important things about being a church leader is trying to help people recognize the differences between what they prefer and what God actually requires. Because the things that we prefer, we get emotional about them. And the things that we've done for a long, long time and the things that mean something to us, we start to think that they must be the things that God says to do in Scripture. Now again, listen. Tradition isn't bad. It isn't bad. Tradition is made for people. It it has blessed people. Tradition can help you and me obey the Scriptures and follow the Scriptures and understand who Jesus is, but bad tradition can do just the opposite. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, you cleverly ignore the commands of God so you can follow your own teachings. And then Jesus gives an example. Here's the example. Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who says cruel things to his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, again, he's talking to these religious leaders, all this, the Mishnah, all these extra rules. But you say a person can tell his father or mother i have something i could use to help you but it is corbin i'll explain what that means in just a second a gift to god you no longer let that person use that money for his father or mother by your own rules jesus is snapping back here by your own rules which you teach people you are rejecting what god said and you do many things like this all right, here's the second thing. So when is right, wrong? First, when it displaces Scripture, here's the second one. Right is wrong when it distorts the mission. When it misses the, po- the point. And okay, now this word he- here in the text is a Hebrew word, korban. And what the Hebrew word korban means is gift or offering. Here's the context. They had this practice in the days of temple worship where where you if you had something that you owned um, a piece of land um, some livestock you had some asset maybe even just your bank account you had this asset you could declare that this asset was Corbin which meant you are giving this asset to God it is dedicated for God's use through the temple and that's the only thing that that asset can be used for is to be given to the temple well The only thing that can be used for once you were done with it you get you got to keep using it benefiting from it working the land using the livestock benefiting from the the bank account whatever that asset was you got to do you got to use it until you were done with it and then it had to be given to god dedicated god given to the temple so what jesus is saying here is what's happened is you have all these commands about honor your father and mother take care of your mom and dad so mom and dad come to me and they say Son, we're in a bad way. We just lost our home. We're out of money. We're broke We can't afford the medicine. We're in a pickle. We're done. Can you help us? Can you help us and I would have to look at them and say well, you know I've got this huge bank account and all this land and all this livestock, but it's corbin I got to give it to god. Sorry mom and dad you're sleeping on the street That's the picture and jesus says You're a hypocrite because you missed the point No, no wonder jesus called these people hypocrites And listen to me throughout the history of the church We've had so many times when the church has deserved to be called hypocritical, especially when we invent ways of being devoted to God that don't require us to be devoted to people. I better say that again. We're hypocritical when we invent ways of being devoted to God that don't require us to be devoted to people. I heard a story recently about a woman by the name of Sarah Pascucci She lives um, in Long Island in New York State And last year, so a year ago this month February 3rd of last year She received an anonymous letter in her mailbox By the way, don't you just love people That complain anonymously Anyway, the letter said Take your Christmas lights down It's Valentine's Day for goodness sake well, under normal circumstances, she would have had her Christmas lights down by then. It was the tradition in their home that the day after Thanksgiving, her father always put the Christmas lights up on the outside of the house, and then shortly after the first of the year, he would take them down. But last year, in early January, her father contracted COVID. And by the time we got to January 15th, he passed away. And uh, within a week, she had an aunt die as well. So between funeral arrangements and... And unexpected bills and just the whole process of grieving the loss of her father and her aunt She had never gotten around to getting the christmas lights down So she got this nasty letter Well, she goes to facebook where she's got a group of moms and friends and she's just kind of venting about this letter that she got And she said, you know what that really hurt, you know That, that really hurt. I just wish people sometimes before they criticize That maybe people would think that maybe something is going on in somebody's life that they don't know about well this thing just went viral and people started sending sarah pascucci flowers and cards which is amazing and sweet and awesome but here's my favorite part of the story do you know what everyone on sarah's street did first week of february they went down to the basement they got back up in the attic they got the christmas lights back out and every house on her street decorated with Christmas lights before Valentine's Day. Now, I know that the tradition is you put them up before Christmas, you take them down after Christmas, but people are more important than traditions. I think. I think God cares more about helping hands than He does about washing hands. Because after all, traditions can't save anyone because they cannot wash the real problem. Look what Jesus says next, verse 14. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. And then he added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So when is right wrong? Maybe most of all, right is wrong when it dispenses righteousness. In other words, when ritual claims that it can make you clean before God, and that reminds me of the story of the little boy who went to Sunday school. And he was all dressed up in his Sunday best. He went to Sunday school, and before the Sunday school class started, he and his buddy they got out in the churchyard and they started playing in the churchyard. And as they're playing in the churchyard in the grass, they got into the mud. And next thing you know, they're just covered in mud and grass and filth. And they, the bell rings; it's time for them to go inside to Sunday school, and they're just a hot mess. And they go in, and the teacher, of course, she disapproves. And she looks at this young boy and says, all right, I just, what... what... remember what the Bible says? You look filthy. Do you remember what the Bible says? Cleanliness is next to, and the little boy thought for a minute and said, it's next to impossible. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty true. That's a pretty good theologian, that little kid. Remember what the real issue, remember the big question here is? How is a person clean before God? And the problem with tradition is that it can confuse ritual with gospel. Tradition can bless you, but it can't save you. Because tradition only polishes the outside. Listen, This is one of the most radical ideas that Jesus ever taught. Again, it's the kind of thing that got Jesus crucified. And I think it's still hard for us to accept it. It's still hard for us to to not believe that that all of my religious activity is not somehow making me more clean to God. But cleanliness is not next to impossible. Cleanliness is impossible apart from the saving work of Jesus. Jesus did not come to, to to take old traditions and just replace them with new traditions. Jesus came to replace old hearts with new hearts because the heart is the heart of the problem. Listen to Paul in Romans 3. God makes people right with himself through their faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for all who believe in Christ because all people are the same. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard and everyone, all, need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. It is so easy for for tradition to to suddenly cause us to drift away from the gospel. I I love the story that Donald Miller tells in one of his books, uh, this amazing story about he was speaking at a Christian university, went to a Christian college, was speaking to a group of Christian students at a christian college right that's that's that's, that's context christian students at a christian college and he tells them i'm going to preach the gospel to you and i'm only going to leave one thing out and when i'm done preaching the gospel to you i want you to tell me if you can notice if you notice what the one thing i left out is and so he begins to preach the gospel and he talks about how the world is full of sin. And he talked about all the consequences that we have to deal with because of living your life in disobedience to God's commands. He talks about the beauty of morality, how that when we obey God, when we repent, when we live life the way that God says, how everything's better, how it's a better way to live. And everyone nodded and everyone cheered and everyone loved the sermon about about the gospel. And finally he asked, okay, what did I leave out? And all of these Christian students at this Christian college just kind of sat there. Uh, Well, uh, nobody raised their hand. Nobody noticed. Did you? Did you notice what he left out? He said, Jesus. I never once mentioned Jesus. Here's what happens. When we get seduced into thinking that it's my good deeds or it's my correct orthodoxy, or it's my following the rituals and traditions, or it's my religiosity, or it's my spirituality. When I begin to think that those things somehow make me clean before God. No, 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 no. It's not those things. It's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus. We need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. We need to be transformed from the inside out by the Spirit of Jesus. Tradition can bless. But only Jesus can cleanse. What brings change? What makes me clean? Jesus. Not ritual. Not tradition. Jesus. Let me pray for you. Those of you who are serving our communion this morning, if you go ahead and take your places and get ready to service as we bow our heads and have this time of prayer. God, this this is a, a radical word from Jesus. It's hard for us to believe that that all of our religion, all of our doing doesn't cleanse, doesn't make us more clean before you. So God, maybe this this word is more radical than we realize. So God, we pray that we, as, as followers of Jesus, we as a church of Jesus, that we would lean into the person of Jesus. that that we would lean into the the sacrifice of Jesus the the, the sufficiency of Jesus and that we would keep step with your Holy Spirit because only Jesus can make us clean in your eyes God so help us God, help us to stay true to the gospel may it be more important than anything else we pray this